all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. Good morning. Thank you for listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Joining me in the studio today is Dr. Thomas Dobbs, State Health Officer with the Mississippi Department of Health, and we're celebrating National Public Health Week. If you have a question or a comment, we'd love to talk with you today. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464 and you can send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org We'll be back after the news. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit with Dr. Josie Bidwell on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show fit at mpbonline.org. And now, Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. Happy Monday, and thank you for listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at UMMC. And joining me today in the studio is Dr. Thomas Dobbs. He is the State Health Officer with the Mississippi Department of Health, and we're glad that you're here today. Uh, It's National Public Health Week, which secondary to uh, National Nutrition Month, because that's my jam. I love (laughs) National Nutrition Month. I'm I'm pretty excited about National Public Health Week as well, because there's a lot of cool activities that are lined up for that. But first, just kind of tell me a little bit about what you do in your role and what a state health officer is. Oh, yeah, you bet. And (laughs) and thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So uh, my name is Thomas Dobbs, and I'm the state health officer for the Department of Health. And and basically, I'm the executive or the, the, the director of the State Department of Health. And it's uh, the Department of Health is actually administered through a board, the Board of Health, and the board members are appointed on a staggered basis by the governor. And so that's the relationship with that. Uh, the, my, personally, I'm an infectious disease internal medicine doctor, but I've also been state epidemiologist and have a master's in public health and have been doing public health work around the country and, and, and internationally as well for 20 years. Boy, I'm, I'm getting old. <laughs> <laughs> he does not look old, folks. <laughs> now you can't see, but I don't believe it. Uh, but yeah, but it's it's a great job. I've been in this position for about three months. Yeah, new. Uh, Doctor Courier was here mm-hmm. before I was, and certainly sad to see her go. And I will just do my best to try to continue where she left off. Yeah, absolutely. And so, guys, if you have question or comment for us today about public health or just health in general, we'd love to hear from you. That number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. And my email is fit at mpbonline.org. Now, Dr. Dobbs, tell me about National Public Health. First of all, let's just step right back. What is public health? You know, public health is actually everything that's around you that keeps you healthy. And and there's a a little bit of a a fallacy in reasoning where we think our health is related to our clinical care, Mm -hmm. right? So in the United States specifically, we think of health as being related to having a doctor, having insurance, and being able to take care of when you're ill, and especially in Mississippi where we really don't see a doctor unless there's something wrong right. with us. So, you know, clinical care is extremely important, and I've been a clinician, you know, at least part of my career for my entire life. But what makes you healthy is not going to a doctor, typically. It's all those things that, that make, make you healthy to begin mm-hmm. with. If we look at other countries around the world, we know that they, they spend far less on clinical care, but far more on public health and right. things within the community. 
So, you know, basically it's all that stuff that keeps you from needing a doctor in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, of course, you're, you're preaching to the choir with me with, <laughs> with, with preventive medicine. Um, you know, I fully uh, believe that, that, uh, you know, there are so many things out there that we can prevent and then not taking the place of health care, but just making it easier when you do go to the to the doctor, the uh, nurse practitioner, physician's assistant. It, it just makes everybody's job a little bit easier. Um, but it, it's harder said than done sometimes, you know, public health is. Um, tell me what National Public Health Week is, like why we have a week devoted to that. Well, er- every week and then this week of <laughs> April is National Public Health Week, just to kind of remind us about the importance of public health in our daily lives. Mm-hmm. It starts uh, January 1st and goes to the 7th, and uh, Governor Bryant did proclaim April 1st through 7th Public Health Week in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Certainly, we do appreciate him doing that. Right. And there are several themes that are going to be reviewed day to day. For Monday, it's supposed to be healthy communities. And healthy communities is really one of the most important things about yeah. being healthy. And if we think about where we live, we know that health is really a matter of location and community and culture more right. than anything else. Right. Um, you know, if you have access to good food. Right. If you have access to activity or, or exercise options. Mm-hmm. And if you have access to a, a cultural environment that supports healthy living, right? right? If your friends and your family are active, then you're going to be active. And if your friends and family in your community eat healthy food, you're going to eat healthier food. But if your friends and family eat fried chicken and French fries every day, every day, <laughs> then, you know, that's kind of what you right. do. And, right. and we have a lot, you know, a lot of that going on. So mm-hmm. healthy community is going to be for today. Yeah. And that's certainly yeah. one of the most important things. It, it is. And, you know, I challenge folks to think about community in multiple different ways. So not necessarily just the town mm-hmm. that you're in, but think about your workplace as well, because we spend a lot of hours of our day, probably more hours with our work family than we do with our family family a lot of times. And so wherever your workplace is, that's a little micro community for you as well. And so, you know, really think about ways that you can get plugged in with your coworkers to to develop these healthy habits that can lead to a healthier community for for your that little micro community that you have. You know, we um are lucky enough to have um, a, a pretty robust wellness initiative at UMC as um, part of our, we call it everyday wellness. Um, and that's kind of our employee-driven wellness initiatives because UMC is big. You know, we got lots and lots and lots of employees. It's almost like a little city. You know, it's certainly bigger than the city that I grew up in. And so really, that's kind of one of the areas that we've chosen to start and tackle because if we can make our employees healthier, then that's going to trickle out into the communities that they then go in and live in, not just work in. So, you know, those are some cool things to think about as you're trying to uh, think of ways to honor National Public Health Week is what could you do at your workplace to, you know, make a difference in in your little group of, of folks that, that live there? Got any tips for that, ways we can do that? Yeah, you bet. The You know, one of the most important things, efforts that's been going on across the state with a lot of partners, including some folks who work in the Department of Health, Worksite wellness. That, mm-hmm. That's a fantastic thing. And certainly employers who employers want their employees to be healthy. They're more productive and happier, and it just it, you know, it helps everything. Right. And so we've had a lot of success with, with employers throughout the state advancing worksite wellness. And that's going to be, you know, food. It's going to be smoke-free environment. It's going to be access to exercise. It's going to be, you know, encouraging people, giving them time to exercise if they mm-hmm. need to. So those are actually wonderful options that the people have available, mm-hmm. but also too, you know, it can be even more of a microcosm, mm-hmm. you know, setting up walking groups with your friends, right. seeking out people. And we also know that if we think about health and wellness from a global perspective, your social life is actually very important to you. People who, who older folks who have a broader social network actually thrive mm-hmm. and uh, have s- slower rates of mental decline, mental decline and, and you know, and have better quality of life. So it's on the big scale. It's going to be like, in, you know, statewide. We know policies and things we want to do. It's also going to be like on the smaller scale employees and communities, employers and communities. But then also, too, your, your network of friends is very important. Mm-hmm. And, and your actual physical network of friends. So not necessarily the group of folks <laughs> you're friends with on social media. Yes. Uh, because there's a lot of data out there that says that that actually is promoting loneliness, you know, because we're more connected than ever. But 
at the same time disconnected in the physical sense. We spend the majority of our relationship time online, you know, and, you know, absolutely use that tool to meet people and, you know, brainstorm about ways to organize events and even put your event on social media. But don't forget to actually go out and meet the people and do those things together. You know, one of the things that I see in lifestyle medicine working with folks is they say they need accountability. You know, like everybody, most everybody knows that they need to walk more or they need to eat better. It's the making it happen and making it fit in in a daily life that can be a struggle. And holding yourself accountable, not just to yourself, but to someone else, tends to boost that up a little bit. And so, you know, we can use social media tools for that. You know, like MyFitnessPal, you can join and make friends on there and hold some accountable that way. But a great thing is just meeting up with someone and doing it together because they're going to check on you mm-hmm. when you don't show up for something you know especially if you've got a group of you know three or four folks who are doing something if you don't show up they're going to call and check on you and say what the heck's going on with you today you know and you're not going to get that necessarily from a social media um, perspective so there's lots of ways uh, to do that you know I know um Uproot Mississippi is um, another um, organization that's kind of helping give ideas and promote kind of changing the culture of health in Mississippi from from the ground up, and uh, which you know all about Uproot. Uh, Tell us a little bit about Uproot Mississippi. uh, Uproot Mississippi, it's it's some it's uh, cross sectional. It involves groups throughout the state of Mississippi, but also involves the Department of Health, Mm -hmm. and it's actually. a collection of folks who are working to make Mississippi healthier through implementation of the components of the state health improvement plan. Mm-hmm. And this is a plan that was created in large measure by meetings with state leaders and health leaders and thought leaders. And there are several components to the plan. And that's not supposed to be just a Department of Health initiative, right. but also through our partners. And one of one of the, the big ones is promoting a culture of health. And we know that it's the culture that makes some uh, just a huge, huge difference. There's other parts of it too. Want to like infant health and, and infant mortality? You know, we're, we're lamentably the worst in, in the country, right. but making some improvement. Yep. But but a lot of these things will go hand in hand. And and if you haven't seen Uproot, I would yeah. ask you to go to um go look up Mississippi Uproot on Google, mm-hmm. and it'll show you the state health improvement plan and things that are happening. Community partners that are involved. Strongly encourage you to go to. I think it's at root uh, uprootms.org, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. And and we'll confirm that um, that uh, website address when we get back from our first break. If you have a question for Dr. Dobbs or myself or just want to know more information about public health, please give us a call. That number is 1-877-MPB-RING. We'll be back after the break. is Southern Remedy, healthy and fit on MPV Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show fit at mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell. Joining me today is Dr. Thomas Dobbs, and we are celebrating National Public Health Week. And we've talked a little bit about the importance of public health and why that really should be part of our everyday life, because it really does impact um, our overall health, you know, chronic disease development, as well as just staying well. Now, this morning, I put out on um, social media a poll and asked folks what I what they thought was the number one issue affecting Mississippians for health. And overwhelmingly, it has been uh, access to healthy food, 
has been the number one. Um, and number two has been self safe places to exercise. Um, and, you know, and I think we'll start with that one. That was um, the, the least popular one, but still a viable option. And I think one of the things um, that's challenging about physical activity is how rural the state is. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up in Carrollton, Mississippi. So, you know, right on the outskirts of the Delta and lived in the middle of nowhere, you know, so it was just uh, a gravel road and a hill is about all I had. Um, and when you travel to some other, you know, major metropolitan areas, everything is very, very walkable. You know, everything is is sidewalks and, and that kind of stuff. And it's not necessarily, we don't do a whole lot of walking here because everything's so spread out. But there are ways around that, right? So, you know, I went um, to Uproot, and I was right, guys. It was uprootms.org was the website for Uproot Mississippi. Um, I went to their Facebook page um, because they put little snippets on there of good things that are happening around the state to address these issues. So I encourage you to check out their website as well as their social media. I believe they have Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Um, and check out some of these good stories that are happening. And if you have a good story about something that's happening in your neighborhood, I'd love to hear that today. That number's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. But I came across um, two stories um, that are going on to help with physical activity. One is kind of a micro grant that um, the medical mall um, got to increase uh, the use of their campus for walkability in the area. You know, I have a lot of um, patients who maybe they don't feel quite safe walking in their neighborhood, but they want to walk and they understand the importance of walking. You can do that at the Jackson Medical Mall. You know, it's a good little inside loop um, in there that you can do around there. And this grant that they've gotten um, is actually going to be able to put kind of mile markers around the outside of the mall as well so that you know the distance in which you are, are walking um, that, you know, I'm usually more concerned with how long you walk and maybe not how far you go because some of us are going to walk a little bit faster and quicker than other folks um, but shooting for that 30 minutes a day um, five days of the week knowing that we won't always get that and that we can break it up into smaller little little snack bites to get that done in there and the other was a really cool so that's kind of a bigger scale thinking about getting a grant to do something um, but there was actually an article in the north side sun that was about a walking group of men. So um, it was a a, um, group that started with just a couple of gentlemen that decided to meet outside of one of their houses at nighttime. Um, And it's been going on for 10 years now and has grown to quite a large group of men that now meet Sunday through Thursday outside this other guy's house, and they walk. And, you know, they walk um, four miles. You know, they spend a whole hour walking. Yeah. They said they kind of call themselves a fraternity now because, you know, they've got each other's uh, back, so to speak, on that. And as we mentioned before the break, you know, that accountability piece is there. And so, you know, if you miss a day or two, they're just going to make fun of you when you come back. But if you miss, you know, if you miss a whole week, then they're like, "What? where's Dave? You know, like what what's going on? And, you know, we need to follow up and, and work and see how we can get him back in. But that's just a really great uh, example of something that took no money. You know, it just took a little bit of, of um, kind of stepping out there and saying, hey, does anybody want to walk with me? And the original organizer, it was because he had to go pants shopping and his the pants didn't fit. <laughs> you know, it was he was like, I'm going to have to go up a size, you know. And, and you know, I always talk to folks about finding their why, and that was his why. Like, he refused to buy a size bigger pants than what he you know, thought in his head that he should be. So it's a great example of just something easy, low cost, um, that, you, that everybody could do. You know, you could send out an email to your homeowners association and say, I'm starting a walk-in club who would like to join. And it doesn't have to be four miles and it doesn't have to be an hour. It can be 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, Just got to start somewhere with that. All right. We're going to go to the lines and talk with David this morning. Hello, David. Hello. How are you? I'm fine. Good. What can we help you with today? I want to know what Good. You can eat when you got high blood pressure. All right. What you can eat when you got high blood pressure? Well, you can eat whatever you want, but there are things that you should eat more of and things you should eat less of. Dr. Dobbs, what kind of uh, thoughts you have on high blood pressure diets? Well, well, certainly if you have high blood pressure, watching your salt intake is mm-hmm. very, very important because a lot of folks who have high, high blood pressure, salt sensitive, and then, you know, 
taking too much salt can make that much worse, particularly with processed foods, things in cans. Keep keep track of how much salt. So eating low salt food is going to be good. More fruits and vegetables, that's always good. You, mm-hmm. you almost can never go wrong with green leafy vegetables and fruits. Mm-hmm. And then and then lean meat, that's going to be good for you too. Um, your your carbs, kind of try to stay away from the fried stuff as best as you can. You know, maybe not even, you know, too much bread. Mm-hmm. Um, but or a whole grain if you're going to yeah, choose a, a whole bread. Grain. Right, yeah. right. So, you know, those are just some common sense things you can do. Sometimes the challenge is, is getting access to them mm-hmm. inexpensively. And, right. and fast food's very difficult, and that's a real challenge. Eating at home's easier. You know, it's inexpensive to get, you know, rice and, and, and lean meat, you know, chicken and that sort of thing. And vegetables can be a little bit more expensive depending on the season. But, you know, eating, eating real food, not processed food, is always a pretty good way to go because you know what's in it. Yep. If you buy it processed, it's going to have a ton of salt and sugar and fat because yep. that's what people's taste buds like. Yeah, that's what lights up those things in our brain that makes us want to eat more of it. Mm-hmm. So just like Dr. Yep. Dobbs said, low sodium is going to be one of the areas that you want to focus on, and that comes from foods that have not been messed with a ton. Now, um, a lot of folks think it's salting your food when it comes to the table, and absolutely you'd want to work with your individual healthcare provider to find out what your sodium goal is. Most folks, it's under about a teaspoon of salt if they don't have high blood pressure, and a little bit less than that if you do. Um, But the main source of salt does come from the processed foods, so the things from a package. About 80% of our salt comes um, from that variety. So, um, Um, Fruits and vegetables are great. Uh, We mentioned sometimes access, especially to fresh stuff, can be an issue. Um, But the freezer section can be an absolutely fantastic place to find that. A lot of the stuff in the freezer section may be even fresher than what you find in the produce section, depending on, you know, where it was harvested and how long it took to ship. Um, A lot of the frozen stuff has kind of been flash frozen, you know, on the farm uh, where it was uh, picked. So it's a great uh, great option to check out there. And don't forget your dollar stores, too, because... You got to do it for... Pardon? You eat some garlic, is that good for high blood pressure? Garlic? Yeah. It, it's a spice. It's not a magic bullet. So you it, know, it can help your cholesterol yeah. somewhat. Um, it, it's certainly not going to be a panacea. It's not going right. to cure anything. But it's it's perfectly healthy to eat yeah. garlic as flavoring. Yeah. If you're talking about garlic supplements, I just always caution you if you're trying to pick a supplement because those are not regulated and we don't know exactly what's in those. I'd much rather see you use garlic as a flavoring agent so that you don't have to use as much salt when you're cooking. That's a great way to do it. Um, but you don't have to you know, buy any special garlic to do that. Just good old-fashioned uh, bulb garlic that's about 25 cents a pound at the grocery store uh, will do just fine on that. And there are some great salt-free um, seasonings as well, like the Mrs. Dash and the store brand Mrs. Dash as well um, uh, work great for adding more flavor to your food without adding more salt. Um, David, there's also, if you go to mpbonline.org slash Southern Remedy, if you go to the, um, there's a little button on that page that says Healthy Living. If you go there, there is a full kind of nutrition guideline and uh, booklet there that will help you kind of cut back on salt um, and fat and sugar that should help your blood pressure. Okay. Okay, thank you. I get into your show all the time. Well, I appreciate you for listening to this show. Thank you very much, and thanks for giving me a call today. Okay, you're welcome. Thank you. You're welcome as well, David. Have a good Monday. So that was a great question. Yeah, fantastic question. And one that I think sometimes us as healthcare providers, we kind of take for granted that folks know exactly what it is that that they should should be or should not be eating um, for their health. And it's really, there's just so much information out there and it's very conflicting for folks. You know, you'll read or you'll see one headline that's eggs are bad. And then you'll see another headline that's like, no, eggs are good, you know. And it's very, very confusing for folks to weed through all that and really get down to the heart of what the heck am I supposed to be eating and how do I make that happen, um, you know, every day because there's textbook perfect stuff and then there's what we can afford, what we have access to and right. what our families will eat. You know, I um, I think my two boys uh, try to stress me out with, with their eating, you know, because <laughs> um, everybody always says to me, I bet your kids eat so healthy, you know, and we try, 
but dang, it's hard. You know, I mean, it really, it, it really is hard um, when, you know, they've got tons of extracurricular activities and maybe mommy and daddy have to work late and, you know, they like chicken nuggets and pizza, you know, I mean, they really do. And, you know, broccoli looks like a tiny tree and it's a tough sell sometimes, you know, um, I know you're internal medicine, so you don't do a whole lot with the kiddos, but, um, you know, what I tell moms and dads is just, just stay the course, like just be consistent and don't, you know, don't feel like every plate has to be perfect, you know, but keep offering those things into your kids. Any other tips you have there on these picky eater kids? Yeah. You know, moderation in all things. And then it's so easy just to just to run through the drive-through, mm. but making time to cook dinner is a big difference, mm-hmm. and it, it's not only good for for the food component because you can make way healthier food than you can get the yeah. drive-through, but also it's time to be with your family. And we know from a developmental perspective how useful that is mm-hmm. for families and for children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and eating that meal together. Yes, you know? yes. Um, and sometimes we think that has to be around the dinner table, but you know, even if you uh, cook that food at home and take it to the ball field, you know, and you have a few minutes to sit at the picnic table at the ball field and eat that meal together, kids who eat with their families tend to do better in school. They have you know less risk risky health behaviors, um, and parents actually get to learn a little bit more about what's going on in their kids' day and life instead of just running from one thing to another. So um, meal planning helps with that. Sometimes that's easier said than done as well, but we turn it into a game. Um, you know, at my house, I have some buckets that actually, if you look at the choose my plate, you know, each part of the little plate has a different color on it. And I have buckets that are different colors like that. And then foods that we know that they'll eat. And I encourage them to kind of drop into the buckets what they would like on the menu this week, you know, and that usually winds up with a couple of healthy things in those buckets that they will eat, and then we can build a meal off of that. And, you know, kids, they're just searching for some control in life. You know, they want to feel like they have a seat at the table and making decisions. And so if they can make a, a decision on that, I usually find they're able to eat. They eat that a little bit better than if it's just something I plop down and tell them, tell them to eat that. Um, So we'd love to hear from you today if you have ways of getting your kids to eat healthier or if there's something awesome going on in your community um, related to uh, health and wellness. I'd love to hear those stories. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. My email is also fit at mpbonline.org. We're going to go take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll be... um, tackling more topics related to public health with Dr. Thomas Dobbs. We'll be back in just a moment. Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by the generous support from you, our listeners. Palette to Palette is back with Chef Robert St. John and artist Wyatt Waters. This week on Palette to Palette, we're back in Mississippi. And we go to the Mississippi Museum of Art to see a show. And to Cathead Distillery. And we go to Indianola to visit the B.B. King Museum. That's right. And then we go stay at the Louvian Hotel where we eat dinner. At Lusco's. That's right. And who plays? Eden Brent. Yep. It was a good day. That's Palette to Palette. Thursday at 730 on MPB Television. News you can trust in radio built around you. Mississippi Public Broadcasting. This is Southern Remedy, healthy and fit on MPV Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, fit at mpbonline.org. 
Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell. Dr. Thomas Dobbs is joining me in the studio today, and we're talking about public health, and in particular, this week's activities for National Public Health Week. Um, we'd love to talk with you today about your health questions. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Dr. Dobbs, we were talking over the break because um, we've had a good discussion about exercise and access to exercise. And you mentioned something that folks may not know a lot about, and that's kind of dual use agreements. What does that mean? That sounds very, very fancy. So, yeah, no, it, it's a fancy word for something yes. very easy. So, like you mentioned, some people don't have access to healthy exercise activities in their community, particularly rural areas or, you know, places that are not near near parks. An innovative thing that has been done in a lot of areas is a thing called a dual-use agreement where basically like a school will open up the gym mm. or maybe or open up the track. And I know where, where I live mostly in Laurel, after 5 o'clock you can go to the stadium and you can do the stairs and you can walk around the track. And a lot of people do that. That's an easy, safe place mm-hmm. to kind of move around. I know a lot of people are reluctant just to go walking on the county roads. Yeah. You know, worried about traffic and, and, and heaven forbid, dogs. You know, we got a lot of, oh, yeah. got a lot, a lot of running dogs around yep. here. So there are that's an option. Mm-hmm. And then there's other things you can do that are even simpler. Uh, you, I mean, you can go to the park or that sort of thing. But if you go to Walmart, don't park right. Certainly don't drive around for 30 minutes looking for the absolutely closest right. place. Park out and walk a little bit. All that kind of stuff adds up. Or it if does. you're at work, take the stairs. You know, don't take the elevator. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a little bit claustrophobic, and it helps me. So at work, I, I do the stairs. I probably get 1,000 steps up and down those yep. stairs every day just, just for avoiding that. So it can be big things. It can be little things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a lot of strategies. Yeah, there is. And, you know, with stairs, what I hear a lot from folks is, well, my knees hurt, you know, and I can't walk up five flights of stairs. Well, that's okay. You know, if you're trying to get to the fifth floor of something, just walk up one mm-hmm. flight, you know, and then, t- then catch the elevator and, and do the other four flights. Because as you do that more and as you get that becomes a habit, one. And then as, you know, your joints get used to that extra load and maybe you even start to lose a little bit of weight that, mm-hmm. and strengthen those muscles in your legs a little bit, you may be able to do two flights of stairs the next time and gradually you'll work your way up. I think folks think it has to be an all or nothing mm-hmm. thing. Um, I see that a lot when folks are making uh, healthy changes, especially around the beginning of the year when we're all setting our New Year's resolutions. We go full court press, you know, and we tend to burn ourselves out and and fall off of that healthy wagon. And it just doesn't have to be that way. You it, know? it should be pleasant. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it should be. It, even, even good habits are habit yeah. forming. Yeah. Right. And so if you're getting you like like if you're used to walking a mile mm-hmm. a day and you don't walk a mile a day, you're like, oh, gosh, I miss that. Right. So make healthy habits yeah. and things that are enjoyable to you. Yeah. And, you know, I had someone I was working with a couple um, weeks back and they were going to try a new exercise. I said, well, how long are you going to do that for? And they said, well, I guess till I can't do it anymore. And I said, well, let's not do that, you know, because that paints it in a negative light. Like I have to do this until I hurt or, you know, I'm going to be sore tomorrow from this. I said, let's just start with, you know, five to 10 minutes of this new activity and see how you do with that and just build the habit in there and then work on increasing your duration because big steps almost never get us to the end of the journey, but little little steps along the way usually lead to more sustainable lasting change in our um life you know i started with um you know one fitness class a week and then wound up being a fitness instructor you know and so it just takes little little steps along the way to get you to where your ultimate goal wants to be the same deal with you know healthy eating you know, folks see guidelines and they think, well, i got to have this many fruits and vegetables a day. And they're not eating any fruits and vegetables to start with. So there's absolutely no reason that you have to go from zero to all of them overnight. Um, you know, just work on adding one extra fruit a day or one extra veggie to your uh, lunch tray. You know, and those things, once you realize that healthy food tastes good. You know, because mm-hmm. uh, that's what I hear. Healthy food doesn't taste good. And I'm like, oh, but it does. It does. It it does. Especially if it's prepared properly. Yeah, yes, you know, because yes, yes. the reason we think it doesn't taste good is because all we're used to teach, tasting is salt and fat and sugar. You know, mm-hmm. we've really got to kind of almost detox those taste buds out a little bit because um, healthy food, um, the, the 
full variety of food that's available out there is just absolutely delicious when you when you capture it. And Mississippi's got great produce. You know, mm-hmm. we, we've got great farmers um, who are putting out great um, produce, especially if you've got access to a farmer's market. You know, get out and know your farmer because they're they're awesome folks mm-hmm. and they're proud of their product the as farmers well. Farmers markets, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I love going down to the Mississippi Farmers Market um, and, and visiting with those folks and hearing about their products because they're very passionate about about their products and you get really great quality um, products from them. And then there's also um, opportunities for um, CSA boxes where it's almost like a delivery, you know, service of uh, vegetables um, if you can't get down to the farmer's market at all times. And it's a great option as well for getting those fresh fruits and veggies in there. All right, we've got a call from Alabama this morning. We're going to go talk with Mikey. Good morning, Mikey. Hey, good morning. Uh, I love this show as usual. Oh, I'm um, glad. Thank you. I want to I wanna throw in something that uh, recently helped me quite a bit. Okay. And that's a big old sock, big old athletic sock that was filled with um, uh, rice. Yep. I and, know where this uh, is going. You know it. I do it. I have one, too. And, I mean, it, it's uh, – uh, I have had some – injuries that resulted in, in uh, a total smash of the upper body, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. on both sides. Uh, and uh, so when I start doing the gardening thing, because I can't help it, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, and I, I tried, I really try to, you know, you know, go, okay, now don't overdo it. Don't mm-hmm. overdo it, you mm-hmm. know, but you still wake up in the middle of the night with that. I'm telling you, that rice sock thing wrapped in a towel, put under your back, mm-hmm. you know, um, it, it has really, really helped me. And I'd like to have any other sort of similar advice that, y- that y'all have, you know, being the experts mm-hmm. on this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Mikey. So the the sock that she is talking about is kind of a um, easy way to make a heating pad. So um, there are a lot of kind of commercial ones out there that you can purchase. But uh, my mama taught me how to make mine, and she just got one of Daddy's big old tube socks and put a bag of rice in it, and then you just heat it up for about a minute in the microwave, and the rice holds that heat. Now, the deal with applying heat to anything, you always want to be careful with that, especially if you have kind of decreased sensation. You don't want to lay on something hot uh, and burn yourself. So, you know, usually err on the side of, you know, putting it in there for about 30 seconds to start with and seeing how warm that is and, you know, not falling asleep on it. And uh, Mikey mentioned wrapping it in a towel, those kinds of things, and not putting it directly on on your skin. Um, But it can be a great little way to, um, if you don't have a heating pad or you can't find it, that seems to be what happens at my house. I think I have three heating pads and I never never know where they are. Um, So I just grab a sock and make it. I've also used dried beans in there um, as well to do those things um as far as uh you know tips for i think what we're talking about is probably muscle soreness and fatigue after exercise you have any tips for those types of things dr dobbs you know i mean other than you know like you said about being gradual you know going at slowly kind of work into it you know don't do more than your body can take and you know push it when you can Mm -hmm. um and certainly if you know, if you have a really bad spell, um, sometimes some non-steroidal anti-inflammatories like ibuprofen can right. help. But obviously, that's something you want to do in the context of discussion with your physician because right. there are potential side effects. But um, a lot of it gradual, go slow. But then you actually will tend to to build muscle strength, and your and your and your core body strength is so important for mm-hmm. your back health and everything. Uh, you, you know, steady mobility, steady exercise over time will usually make you healthier and feel better. It will. And, you know, stretching is something that um, a lot of folks don't incorporate into their exercise routine. You know, I see folks do very well with, with the cardio piece and getting their their minutes of walking or jogging or, you know, dancing, whatever that is. And then you've got a smaller subset of folks who get the resistance piece, you know, so the actual muscle strengthening activities. Um, and then an even smaller amount kind of get all three and get that flexibility piece in there. Um, but it is a very important part of your overall exercise routine because, like you mentioned, core strength um, and really core flexibility is very important, especially as we age. Because, you know, um, 
balance training, which is one of the things that happens in, in stretching and flexibility programs, keeps us from falling down. Yeah, mm-hmm. and because we're much more likely to break something um, or bruise something significantly um, when we fall, and the best way to treat those things is to not fall in the first place. You know, so um, flexibility is an important part. I think folks do the stretching. The ones that do it sometimes do it in the in the wrong place. They do it at the very beginning, you know, because they have seen it on movies and TV shows. Folks stretching and getting ready to run. You really should come at the end when everything's good and warm, um, and so that we don't overstretch a muscle and and cause a you know a muscle strain that that's that hurts. Um, it's just in just five minutes, you know, five minutes, a couple days a week of some stretching exercises um, can really help prevent some of this muscle soreness and, and these injuries that folks get when they um, when they work out. Um, just like I mentioned with David earlier, going to mpbonline.org slash Southern Remedy, uh, we have that nutrition curriculum there. And then we also have a fitness program there as well called the Fitness Prescription. And it has a flexibility program there with full color pictures of the good ex- the good stretches that you should do. And then some of the stretches that are not so great for us to do um, as well. And those um, are completely free um, online if you guys want to check those out. All right, we're going to take our last break of the hour. Uh, When we come back, we'll be um, wrapping up our talk about National Public Health Week and talking about some of the activities that are going on here in the metro and across the state. If you have a question or comment, now is your chance. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING, and my email is fit at mpbonline.org. We'll be back after the break. Southern Remedy, healthy and fit on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show fit at mpbonline.org. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell. Joining me today is Dr. Thomas Dobbs. We've been talking about public health and national public health week, which is running this week. Today is the first day. It's unfortunate that today's April Fool's Day, but it is. <laughs> this is really happening. <laughs> this by the is way. really happening. It is not a prank, um, which my son was super depressed when he woke up this morning and realized that it was April Fool's Day and he had not planned anything. Oh, shoot. He was like, oh my gosh, I got to plan it real quick before I get to school because I got to <laughs> prank somebody today. But this is not a prank. Public health is important. This week is happening. Um, and there's lots of great stuff going on this week. So Dr. Dobbs, tell us about some of the stuff that's happening. Sure. So um, it is Public Health Week, and, and if you want to go to the Mississippi Public Health Association website, they have information about things that are going on across the state. So I encourage you to look at that. And if you're a public health-oriented person, you can join their organization and help support public health in Mississippi. Monday through Thursday this week, there will be health fair events at William Carey, University of Southern Mississippi, and Jackson State. So uh, if you'll look on the website, like I mentioned, or even at the, the different colleges' website, they should have some information for you if you're interested in going. But on Friday... At 1130, I would encourage everyone to come down to Jackson State Veterans Memorial Stadium. We're going to have a walk. We're going to have a public health walk in honor of Dr. Ed Thompson, the health officer who, you know, wonderful gentleman who led us in public health efforts and health efforts for, for decades. In honor of him, the Dr. Ed Thompson Walk for Public Health 1130 at the Jackson State University Veterans Memorial Stadium, South Parking Lot. And everyone is welcome to come. We hope to see you there, and I'll give a little introduction. And if you want to meet me, I'll be there. Come up and say hello. I'd love to see you. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the other part that's happening, that is also a Move Your Way Jackson activity fair. We've had Move Your Way um, on the show before. You know, what's cool about Move Your Way, it, it really highlights some of the things that we've been talking about and the fact that every little bit of movement 
counts. So taking that extra flight of stairs or parking a little farther away from, you know, the entrance to the grocery store, all those things count. And uh, I would assume, uh, because I've been, I've seen some other other activity fairs, that there'll be some little things you might can try that uh, might be a little out of your comfort zone if you, you're just a standard uh, walk kind of person um, that you can try. Uh, I know at the big one that they had, their activity fair, they had Zumba, which is, of course, my particular brand of exercise that I love uh, but can be intimidating to start. But you just got to start trying some things. You never know what will really kind of be your passion as far as activity is. There are some other cool things going on. What are some other things that are happening? Um, yeah, so different th- people have different things going on. There's things at Mississippi State. They're having uh, yoga session today. Um, again, I encourage you to go to the website because there's so many things mm-hmm, going is. on. There's a We've lot got, of stuff. Uh, national events. Uh, if you go to the National Public Health Week website, uh, Jackson State has a bunch of things going on. You, Southern Miss, Mississippi State, um, the UMC. And then the Move Your Way actually is absolutely wonderful. Mm-hmm. It, it's a great way to explore different ways of exercising. One of the most important things about it, too, is going to be learning to do something that you enjoy right. and something that, that works for you. Uh, you know, some things I, I don't like doing. Right. And so why would I want to do it? Right. When there's right. a lot of other things you that you can find very enjoyable. Right. Like my best friend is a CrossFit instructor, and so I have tried. I have tried it, tw- <laughs> I have tried it twice, and it is not my cup of tea. Um, I, no, and I do, I'm not cute while I do it either. Like there's just not an attractive, um, sport for me to do. Um, she loves it. That's her passion and that's what gets her active. So kudos to her. She has yet to come take my Zumba class. She knows I'm coming for her like that. That's on the list that she has, has to do. She probably won't like it either. And that's okay. It's, you know, you just got to find what you like and what you want to do. Um, like you mentioned, there's stuff going on all across the state. So it's not just a Metro, um, thing. You can go to um, the Mississippi Public Health Association website, and there's lots of stuff listed on there. But, I mean, there's stuff, um, you know, Jackson State. There's stuff at the Medical Center. There's stuff at Mississippi State. There's stuff at Southern, um, you know, William Carey. So lots of different stuff across the state. And, you know, just because you may not be close to one of these areas that's having an event doesn't mean you can't organize a little community walk. You know, get out and get active um, with your community. If you do that, I'd love to hear about that. I'd love for you to send me an email, um, fit at mpbonline.org, and let me know how you celebrated National Public Health Week. And I hope it's something that you don't just celebrate this week, that you make it a habit and do it um, every week on that. Um, Now, the other themes for the week, um, just so you folks will know, so today was Healthy Communities that we've talked about. Tomorrow is Violence Prevention. And there is something going on at the MSDH central office that is um, violence prevention um, kind of talk there. Um, and then uh, Wednesday is rural health. Uh, Thursday is technology and public health. And Friday is climate change. Now, that's one that a lot of folks go, why are we talking about climate change when we're talking about public health? But, you know, we really have to look at that because that affects, um, you know, our water sources and how, you know, how clean our water is, how safe the air is that we breathe. And I think sometimes those things aren't um, fully appreciated about the impact that they have on our overall health. So I was very glad to see that. Um, featured as part of Public Health Week because they're big, important parts of that and kind of our footprint that we're leaving on on the world um, and burning through some things, you know, that, yes, that, are, yes. that are harder to, to grow back. Um, now, um, I kind of want to answer this email question that came in that uh, was about the, the ruralness of this state and what are the challenges um, for keeping rural Mississippians healthy. So those folks who may not be in the metro area or in Hattiesburg or, you know, somewhere where there's a, a large uh, group or access to things, how do we keep these folks healthy? Yeah, you know, and, and that's, that's I think, going to be the challenge of our next Mississippi generation, right. quite honest. If you look at recent studies that look at what determines someone's risk of, um, or their, their well-being. Right. Rural status, living in a rural area, is a negative contributor mm-hmm. to health and longevity. And there's a lot of factors of that. Some of that's going to be, you know, more poverty, less access to opportunities, and that sort of thing. There also are some dem- demographic shifts where mm-hmm. folks who have more opportunities will leave rural areas, mm-hmm. and then folks who don't have, have as many opportunities sometimes will, will stay. Access to healthy foods is going to be really big. 
you know, if you don't have a good grocery store, if you have, you've heard of food deserts, mm-hmm. you know, that's a big challenge. And so that's something that we'll have to work through, make sure people have access to healthy food. Very important. But I was very happy to see that in the dollar stores, sometimes I'll stop in just to see, and they'll have fresh fruits and vegetables sitting around. Mm-hmm. And, and I bought some just to buy them, just to yep. encourage, you know, them to keep holding it. So that's really wonderful opportunities. You know, if if you if there's demand, there will be supply. So right. you know, demand healthy food. Yeah, I would say that's absolutely. So uh, I'm piggyback onto that. Like if you see these foods in your stores, buy them yeah. because that that will ensure that they reorder that type of food. You mentioned the fresh food that's sitting in there. Also, that freezer section in the back. You know, I went to Dollar Tree the other day um, and just went straight back to the freezer section and snapped photos of things that were back there. There was frozen fruit in there, like not fruit and syrup, just frozen bagged fruits. Um, There were numerous different types of frozen um, veggies in there. I mean, there was frozen asparagus, there was broccoli, there was cauliflower, lots of different stuff. I'm going to snap pictures of all that because I'm going to write some recipes based off of the things that you can get um, in the in the dollar store. I mean, I went over to the dried section and there were lentils in the dried section of the dollar store. Great lean protein source for folks that very inexpensive and you can stretch um, for lots of different things. So we're just going to have to get a little bit creative mm-hmm. in the way that we address um, some of these issues across the state. But, you know, there's nothing that we can't solve together, you know, and I know that there are folks that are sitting out there that have great ideas for things in their communities. Don't let them just stay in your head, yeah. you know, reach and, out. And, and although we're rural, it's also also a blessing because we have beautiful outdoors. Mm-hmm. And if you like being outdoors, if you like fishing, if you go fishing, if you get in your boat or if you're you know, having to walk to the fishing hole and moving around, I mean, that's exercise. Mm-hmm. It, does, it doesn't have to be something miserable. Right. So do something, you know, be active. If right. you're a hunter, if you're walking through the woods, that's exercise, too. If you're, you know, you know, planting your green patch, you know, mm-hmm. be inactive. And so there are different opportunities in rural areas that are not even available in the urban areas. Mm-hmm. So those are things that can be taken advantage of. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I grew up with a garden, you know, I mean, we just gardened all the time. And then now living here, you know, in the metro, I mean, I got like a little little spit of yard that mm-hmm. I can plant in. But, you know, so I have to kind of pick and pick and choose what I grow from year to year. Um, but, you know, if you've got access to a, a patch of land, you know, dig it up and put something in it and see what grows, you know, try something, try something new mm-hmm. as well. You know, you may find a vegetable that you absolutely fall in love with, you know. Now, it will not be um, uh, broccoli for me. Broccoli is just, <laughs> it's just not my friend. I just can't. I just, I don't know what it is, me and sweet broccoli. If you enjoy broccoli, please do eat it, though. It's very, very good for you. Um, so, you know, gosh, we're out of time and we were able to get to a lot of great things. But if you guys had questions about any of the events that are going on this week, you can always email me. That email is fit at mpbonline.org. You can also go to the Mississippi Public Health Association um, website. And then also check out uprootms.org as well for some great things that are going on around the state. My favorite part of that website is the success story tab because it lets you know things that are happening that have worked for uh, communities all across the state. Um, Dr. Dobbs, thank you so much for coming in today. I know this is a busy week for you guys. I appreciate that. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So thank you guys for listening. You've been listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I've been your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, and my guest has been Dr. Thomas Dobbs. Be sure to tune in every weekday at 11 for the full Southern Remedy lineup. I'll see you next week on Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit.